Lomo, hello. Brent Gunning, Gord Stellick alongside me for the Leafs this week here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan and wherever it is you get your podcast. Uh, Gord, plenty to dive into uh, from the week. Uh, we were doing the post-game wrap-up last night, and you reminded me that, yes, that's right, that crazy game against the Jets was actually within the week that we're recapping for this show. Uh, so much has happened uh, in Leafs land this week, and we've got a ton to uh, chew on for sure. Yeah, second Leafs this week. We started, as I kind of kidded, it was going to be the Leafs this W-E-A-K the first couple of weeks, and we would have uh, <laughs> it would have been tough finding. Um, it, it, it would almost be like the news getting getting inundated with COVID information like it's been the last 20 months. It would have been tough to find many positives. And here, you're right, we get a great chance to look at the week. In this case, four games have started Sunday. And, you know, and, and a bit of a recap I like to do just when you sit down, take a breath, okay? The Maple Leafs right now, are tied for first overall in the NHL with the Washington Capitals and the Tampa Bay Lightning. The other two teams have played more games. Austin Matthews is third in goal scoring. Okay, goodbye, Andrew Mangiapane and Chris Kreider and, <laughs> and all the other pretenders. Austin is back. He's tied for 10th, as is John Tavares in NHL scoring. Willie Nylander's tied for 13th. And Morgan Riley's tied for fourth in scoring among defensemen. So how the heck did all this happen? How'd this happen, Brent? Tell me. Oh, man, you're you're supposed to be the expert. I'm just here to get way too excited one way uh, or, or another. I mean, I think the Matthews thing, like, we all saw it coming, right? But it is funny. I, I kind of, I, I was kidding about that on our postgame show last night of, oh, man, where's the five-on-five five goal scoring? And is there any worry about, about you know, his how he's playing after the wrist surgery? All of a sudden, he goes on the tear that we all knew. He, he would go on, and yeah, he's right there in, in third for goal scoring, and, and boy, how, how funny it is. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll preview this matchup in a little bit, but he's going to be going against the guy who's number one uh, next time the Leafs are out there. Just a, just a great week from the power play specifically. I mean, that's how it happens, right? If you're going to, if you're going to, if I, go, if I have to give one answer of how did this happen, how did all those guys find themselves as high as they are, you know, in the points race, it's because of the power play lately. This team's done it at five on five at times this season but when the power play is rolling what is it five games now with with two or more power play goals yeah. anytime you have that your your big dogs are all going to get their cookies and and I think that's exactly what's happening and I think I think it is a touch touch concerning that they're relying so much on the power play but you know what just like you don't have to apologize for having a good goalie and him bailing you out once in a while, you should never, ever have to apologize for having a good power play. So I, I don't see that as any anything but a, a great sign for, for this team that the power play has been carrying them lately. Well, and the power play woes started, what, what was it, about a third of the season left last year and then morphed into this year. And uh, yep. it, it really was, it was frustrating and, and, and tough to explain. So you're right. So you get five consecutive games, at least two power plays goals, and now... We get all these stats that come in. So you get, okay, they've done this without Mitch Marner. What about the power play without Mitch Marner? Is it a better power play without Mitch Marner? Let's not be ridiculous. The Leafs' record, actually, without Mitch Marner is not a great record where, without Austin Matthews, the record wasn't all that bad, which, of course, is ridiculous about are you a better team with or without Austin Matthews. So we can, you know, you break you can break down the minutia so much. The, the, the great part is other players contributing uh, last week at this time, we knew Marner was going to... We didn't exactly know how long he was going to be out for. Unfortunately, we found out it's it's quite a while. Get him on long-term injury. Uh, we, of course, at this time last week, were not aware but loved the feistiness and uh, how the Winnipeg get, Jet game turned and the reaction by the Leafs, the response by the Leafs. Loved it. 
in a loss, but you know, we're about the last thing you expect is a guy like Jason Spezza to be suspended six games. So it just shows the appeal process. He's already lost three games waiting for, for this appeal, hopefully to get things reduced. But uh, uh, a lot happened out of it. Jason Spezza was also a contributor to the power play. So, you know, good on others that have stepped up and contributed. I mean, there's a there's a few things I want to pick at there. I want to talk about the Spezza appeal process, but I want to I want to double back on on Marner. And you know, you and I are both in agreement that as good as the power play has looked with him there, guess what? As soon as Marner's health, well, two things. Guess what? The power play is not going to stay this red hot over the next two, three, maybe four weeks that the Leafs are without Marner. So one, that problem is going to kind of, you know, it's not a problem, but it's going to take care of itself. And then two, even if it is rolling this well, all throughout Marner's absence, guess what? He's going back on the first unit power play. And I do think the one thing they can kind of take out of this, and and you've been the guy banging the drum on this, is don't worry about going back and looking at the iPad and what is the exact play we want to set up. It feels like this power play is working so well right now without Marner because there is less Oh, I have to find the perfect shot. I have to. It's just quick reaction. The puck is snapping off sticks, whether it's snapping on net with a with a shot or you're finding seam passes. Like, I think that's the lesson this group has to take out of it when Marner is back of just being more decisive and just kind of going into attack mode right away as opposed to trying to set up and slowly work your way into it. I feel like that's been the difference with the way this group looks now on the power play versus when Marner was in the lineup. Even when it was succeeding, it felt like we weren't getting these goals immediately off. Off the, off the jump of the power play like they have been lately. Yeah, you know, you know, Brad, and this is actually a great week to kind of reemphasize that uh, uh, all kind. Of, hey, you, you can't get by without, you know, video, without uh, scouting, extensive scouting, figuring out other teams' tendencies. I get all that. But this is a great week given our good buddy, everyone's good buddy in media, Bruce Boudreau, and what he has done coming in his first three games to a team that was struggling kind of like the Leaf power play was. And this, of course, is Bruce Boudreau. And, you know, you see what he's done as far as simplifying things in Vancouver. Now, that won't get you if you keep running in a simple manner. You need other things. But just coming in, taking a breath, saying, look, our PK sucks. We just got, Let's just be more aggressive, okay? And I'm going to double the number of penalty killing forwards from four to eight. So you got more people in the mix. And let's not lay back at all. And, you know, they go out. They won again last night, the third consecutive win under Bruce. I hope he knows. He's been around long enough. He knows, you know, you better bottle this because things will change <laughs> at some point. But... The power play, and, and to your point about you know looking at the tablets, and again, I always maintain half the time the players look at the tablets, they're trying to look at a highlight. Now they, let's face it, they're only human, right? They're trying to <laughs> they're sure. just trying to pick out how did that last shift look for them, and not about did I expose some weakness or in the other team, what have you. But it's almost like somebody phoned and said, "Guys, let's go play shinny power play unit. You know, let's you know let, let's meet at Otter Bay." Uh, Otter Park, excuse me, Otter Bay, they'd get lost if you punch that in your, uh, you know, uh, but Otter Creek, and let's just go play Shinny or anywhere else like that, anywhere comparable, and and that's that's more the feel that I've seen out of the power play because, you know, you, you put your best players out there and in a lot of ways trust them about being their best players and the skills they've had. Uh, they made it to the NHL because they've been pretty, they've been playing power plays, I think, everywhere they've been before, pretty well everyone would have, and I, that's what I've seen a lot of, Brent. 
Yeah, I, I I agree with with all of that, and it's just when you when you have this when you have this much talent, sometimes you just have to kind of go blackout and just let the talent take over, and and that that's what I've seen. And you know, I think I think it's important to have structure to fall back on when the talent just isn't taking over the way this groups can. And look again, it's going to go cool. Like they're going to fall back on their structure at some point in time, but it should be the thing you fall back on. It shouldn't be the thing you constantly um, try to play through. Uh, the the other thing you mentioned that. I wanted to bring up there. Uh, so Jason Spezza, they, they mentioned it on the in, intermission on Hockey Night last night. Uh, I can't remember if it was Friedman or Merrick, but one of the 32 Thoughts guys mentioning that uh, the appeal is scheduled for Tuesday. Now, I have to imagine that that's going to happen before the Oilers game. That's that's the next game for the Leafs. Uh, presuming Spezza misses that game, that'll be the fourth game of his suspension. Now, I don't think Gary Bettman was going to go against his own Department of Player Safety, so I don't know how much this really matters, but my understanding is that the hearing, or the Sorry, the appeal with Batman couldn't happen because Batman was at the Board of Governors meeting. And I understand there's important business to happen for the league, and I don't know if there's much more important business than the Board of Governors meeting from a league perspective. I understand all that. But the fact that Spezza has now had to wait around over a week or, or well I guess the suspension came down during the Columbus game but it'll be a week from the moment his suspension was down to when he can have his appeal heard and then if that has to get kicked to another arbiter it feels like the most games he could possibly lose off his suspension is maybe one because if if he serves the full six he'll miss the Oilers game the Flames game and, and the Canucks game which are which are all this week and it just it seems like there should have been a little more urgency on on the NHL's part to allow Spetz's appeal uh, you know I, I know I've complained a lot about this. Maybe I'm just doing some more of it. But well, what, what's your thought on all that, Gord? Well, it's the way Gary Bettman likes it set up because we know the Major League Baseball, you got the one extreme, which if you want to call it a joke, that you you uh, you submit an appeal and right away you start playing again. And some people thought Jason Spezza was going to be able to start playing again. I was one of them. Yeah, but that's – yeah. well, you know, but anyway, that's – because it doesn't – that's why it doesn't happen very often in, in the NHL. And, uh, and then generally – the uh, the neutral arbitrator in baseball, it's a neutral ar- a neutral arbitrator. So it seems because let's face it, most of them want to keep their jobs as neutral arbitrators and get the fee and be involved in professional sports. So they generally try to do some middle ground that, you know, that that helps the team and the player and doesn't totally piss off the league, right? So that's what happens. It's kind of a formula that way. Where in hockey, no, it's uh, you know Gary Bettman puts a lot on his NHL Department of Player Safety. They have a lot of power. Uh, that way, and you know, just the last big one we remember, and you remember it too, was uh, was the Weidman hit on the official Don Henderson. Mm-hmm. Still, wasn't it was a hit, even though he didn't intend to, as we know. But it just was bizarro world, and it was quite serious. And by the time, you know, the hearing was held, I think you know his big suspension was knocked down two games or so. But that's one of the things Brian Burke, who was then president of the Calgary Flames, was irate about. It was. Uh, Hey, this—that's the way it goes. This is the way Gary Bettman set up the system, and it, it's not like it—you know—it's all comes down to collective bar, collective bargaining and what's in or not. And I don't; these don't seem to happen enough that it becomes a big issue. I think on the player side next time. That's just—that's just my opinion. No, it's a it's a great point. Like the players have to fight for what they want. There's just so many things they want, and rightfully so. Like we know the last time they were talking, the Olympic participation was a huge, huge part of that. And it's just, you know, where do you rank the ability to kind of appeal things? It's just interesting when it's, you know, every team every team will be affected at one point in time. Normally when the players are kind of pulling or negotiating for something, it's almost hurting the teams. It's an extra day off or it's a you know, a nicer suite on the road or whatever it is. It's 
It's kind of hurting the teams here. Every team, well, not every team, but some teams will be impacted by this at, at all points in time. So, so yeah, again, just to kind of run that down, he has the appeal with the league on Tuesday. I can't see any world where Batman knocks down that suspension. <laughs> so you imagine then you're going to a uh, the fifth game of that suspension is Thursday against the Flames. Maybe he gets appeal in by there. I think absolute, absolute best case scenario for Spezza. Maybe, maybe he gets one game knocked off and he, he's back Saturday uh, against the Canucks. That that's kind of how I yeah. I could see this world playing out. Yeah, but you know it's it's funny you you, you look at the history of things and and we got a lot of time, so we'll we'll be talking about the Leafs of that. But it's just uh, in the Bob Goodenow era as head of the NHL Players Association, so he had he had this obsession about players' rights, and I'm not saying that detrimentally, but I do remember, and I think it was Willie Mitchell was the one player that was hurt in a situation. And, I mean, the injury, uh, he was out for a while. He wasn't the same. It, you could, you know, it, it hurt his ability to sign the next contract. And I think he's the one that brought up that, okay, so whoever I forget the perpetrator was, the NHL Players Association went full bore to defend that player's rights and not cost him money, you know, with a suspension. And Willie Mitchell's got to say, wait a sec, I pay dues for the same Players Association. What is this all about? You know, I'm, I'm the guy, I'm the guy that got hurt on this particular play. And I, I, I want, and, and, and I'm not really thrilled. The PA is saying, oh, well, he's hurt. There's nothing we can do about him, but we're going to go to uh, focus all our resources on defending whoever the perpetrator was. And I think there sort of has been, and, and Matthew Schneider has been a big part of it, being Don Fear's right-hand guy, uh, a, a reasonableness now understanding. So, you know, part of it, why it was set up is, you know, we're annoyed about Jason Spezza. Uh, and on, but on the other side, you got a player, Neil Pionk, in COVID protocol in Winnipeg you know that 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 is part of how they made the decision you know that way so that that's kind of the two ways they look at it I still think and you still think I believe that it was too much I still can't it still really catches me by surprise but anyway that's it and we're finding out the appeal the appeal process is is very unwieldy yeah, if I if I remember correctly, I actually think that was Evgeny Malkin who who uh, who smoked Mitchell with with that hit. But yeah, I, I mean, right. uh, yeah. It, yeah. it's always the way, right? The players' association. It's it's really weird. Like you can you can imagine how awkward a courtroom would be. You know, we we were joking about about the the uh, the, the the undecided jury. Uh, well, while we were waiting for the Spezza decision to come down, you can imagine how awkward a courtroom would be if your lawyer was jumping back and forth and helping you, but then also helping the person you're suing or, or whatever. That's kind of exactly the situation that uh, that the PA finds itself in when they have to defend both the perpetrator uh, and, and the person uh, who, who was hurt. Uh, just kind of diving back to to the week that was uh, for the Leafs. So obviously that wild game against the Jets, it just kind of you know got jumbled all in with what was a really physical, nasty weekend uh, against both the Wild and the Jets. And it, it, it had a lot of people, I think both of us included, feeling like, wow, maybe there is a little more pushback, a little more oomph to this team. And, you know, obviously it hasn't necessarily been the stretch of play they would have liked coming out of it, but I thought that that was a weekend that just a lot of people really kind of had their had their had their hopes for the Leafs, maybe not lifted, but kind of stamped and certified. Like, okay, there there is a little more uh, to this team. But then after that, you know, a, a you know, to borrow a word from you, I think you used it last night on Morazic. I think you could use it for the team as a whole this week. Just an uneven week. You know, you have a tough loss to Tampa, but you you, you push back well. You blow the doors off Columbus, but they come charging back. Same kind of thing happened against Chicago last week. That, that's what it felt like to me. Just overall, a bit of an uneven week for for the team after that after that game against the Jets. 
Yeah, you know, that's the term we used a couple of times, but it is interesting that we start with last Sunday, and it's a loss. But if you look back at the end of an 82-game regular season, and every team does that, and there's two, three, or four maybe five, whatever, but watershed moments in the season. And if you've had a positive season, the watershed moments, of course, are positive. If you've had a negative season, well, Buffalo would look at that, uh, the NHL acknowledging they incorrectly ruled against the Buffalo goal Friday, oh, right? But in a game against the New York Rangers. But unfortunately, Buffalo season's already gone. But anyway, uh, two, three, four, five moments like that. And I'm still going to look back at that loss to Winnipeg. I, I just think it was a great response game, a great reaction game. So no points on the board, uh, which, you know, you need to get points if you're going to go anywhere. But I, I, I like the positive. Some people don't like that hockey as much. There's no question the officials' egregious mistakes, not giving a five and a game to Neil Pionk, then not giving a five or a game to Jason Spezza, obviously because both both players got suspended later on. But, uh, you know, Wayne Simmons, it kind of showed, you know, his role a bit. It showed it showed Nick Ritchie's value. It showed uh, Kyle Clifford, who's back, you know, new to the team or a second time around, but just the, the new this second time around. And uh, I liked it. I know Austin Matthews, guys like that. And that's not what you, you know, that he can handle himself, you know, but he's not going to be the, the one that goes out and makes things happen physically, nor, nor do you expect him or Sidney Crosby or Connor McDavid or those guys. Maybe Ovi would. Okay, Ovi's the one exception, but you wouldn't expect those guys too. But I, I really liked in this uneven week, uh, there's no points, but, I, but there's a lot of positives from that Winnipeg game. No, for for sure. And uh, the thing I'll say about Matthews is I'm not as I'm not as stringent and hard on this opinion as as others are. Like some people see they go back to the laughing uh, when it was Sherratt kind of manhandling him in the Montreal series and it drives them nuts. They go back to the way he he just kind of waited for a call when he was when he was in a tussle with Dubois there. I would like to see Matthews, you know, Chris Pronger, and I want to be clear, I don't want Austin Matthews doing this, but Chris Pronger has talked about the idea of early on in his career, he just took some investment suspensions. You know, okay, I'm going to miss a couple games for this two-hand slash. I'm going to miss a couple games for this, you know, crossing the line, dirty hit. But you know what it's going to do? It's going to instill my reputation in this league as a guy who absolutely cannot be trifled with. And I would like to see Matthews just just once kind of, you know, you mentioned Ovi Wood. You know who's built a little like Alex Ovechkin? Austin Matthews. He's kind of the goal-scoring version of him for this generation. And he's kind of a guy who has the body to, to play that way. And it just, it would be nice once to see Matthews just kind of have that pushback in the moment. I don't know how much it, it really matters, but I mean, I would have loved to have seen him just kind of give Dubois a shot right to the chest or, or something like that. Again, don't don't cross the line. I'm not saying go out and sucker punch somebody by any means. But when you're in a moment like that, maybe less look for the call and more, you know, look look to make it so that won't happen again. What, what have you made of the conversation surrounding Matthews in that regard? Well, Chris Pronger is a Hall of Famer, so if you're not a Hall of Famer, you start getting in trouble when suspensions accumulate. But I get it. I mean, I mean Pronger is a unique animal, and you're right. And I remember him at Hockey Hall of Fame weekend. He just said he was a chirper, too, and then he said, I knew if they started chirping back, I had them. Okay? That was his <laughs> line. I knew I was in. So and nowadays with suspensions increasing uh, in severity and accumulating, it'd be a little more difficult to do. But I... I get the point. I get the point. I, I just, you know, like Connor McDavid had that one fight in junior. Maybe he had others, but how did that go? Okay, you know, yeah, broke you, his you, hand you, on you, the you, dasher. Yeah, you broke his hand. You worry, about, and then, and and in, if you're particularly if you're not someone that is, and we're not talking about Austin Matthews fighting. Uh, uh, it's just, you, you know, the physical part there. That Winnipeg game had that weird thing with Pierre-Luc Dubois, too. Like, you yeah. know, he kind of said, yeah, you know, what 
like like should Austin Matthews have su- have suckered him then? And but again, the officials were right there. Didn't even call a two minute penalty. It was just kind of strange. So I, I'm you know like like Austin Matthews' background is uh, he he I I don't see him being run out of any buildings. Okay, he's got nope. to your point. He's got that size, and and I, I think maybe a little bit too much was made about a game against Montreal last year. And I think it was Ben Sherratt, but just yeah, you know, kind of like they talk about McDavid now, about maybe maybe a few too many liberties being taken by a defenseman. And I've seen that in games. And again, it comes down to the officials. And are they going to call it tight, or do they do they? in their own mind and is the right way to let liberties go. But I, uh, I, I, I like, you know, that's why Toronto fans love Dougie Gilmore because Dougie stuck his nose to it into it. And he was the smaller guy and Matt Sundin didn't get enough. We talked about this last night on Leafs nation post game, but you know, he never really, I think got, uh, um, I, I think later when he got into the hockey hall of fame and he was honored by the Leafs, I think there was a, you know, a little bit more of the real appreciation he should get, but because he wasn't Dougie Gilmore, he never was quite embraced to the same level by Toronto Maple Leaf fans who thought, man, he's a big guy. He's a big guy. Can he, you know, can he get involved a little bit more physically? No, all he can do is lead your team and be one of the greatest players the Leafs ever had and get into the hockey hall of fame. That's yeah, that's all five. 500 goals, huge two-way center. Yeah, that that's all. But, I mean, to your point, you know who was borderline just as beloved on those Toronto teams? It was Crazy Eyes Tucker, and it was Gary Roberts digging in the corners. And, you know, you mentioned Doug Gilmore and the other guy who is always going to be revered from that era, Wendell Clark. And it's because of exactly that. You know, we, we love goals, and we love a goalie who makes big saves, but nothing in this market goes like that guy who can do both. You know, Gilmore, 100-point season, healthy-level guy, and will stick his nose where, I mean, based on his size, it didn't belong. And you're right. It's it's no accident that that's why those guys are, are so beloved. And, you know, in terms of this, this Leafs group, again, everybody loves all of the big guys and Matthews and Marner. And th- those are the jerseys you see more times than not. But who do we spend arguably as much time talking about as those guys over the last four or five years? It's Zach Hyman. Now, he's not as physical, but it's the effort. It's the determination, and and that's the thing that always just kind of seems to set you apart in in this market. And I want to be clear. I'm not saying Matthews doesn't have that, but it seems like he prides himself. He has that bit of that kind of California cool about him, right? That laid-back attitude, and he wants to be above it. And I think, man, uh, I can only imagine how how well it would go for him in this market. And it's hard to imagine it going any better uh, if he showed just a little, little more of that because it it feels like that's the that's the one box kind of missing uh, from from what he could kind of how how he could be even more beloved in this market. It feels like that's the only thing missing. Well, you mentioned, I mean, those are the most beloved players, and and a little tip because we're down at uh, um, uh, most of the games at Scotiabank Arena. It's fun. I don't know when it all started about people put that sign up. Hey, it's my first game. Doubt it. But anyway, get, please give me a puck, Mitch Marner. Please give me a puck, Austin Matthews, right? You know, Willie Nylander, can I get a stick? It's my birthday. Whatever, I thought you whatever. were going to do that for our first one back this year because it was so long. I thought well, you'd be down there. First time in 589 days. Okay, can yeah, I have a but puck? The, the key I would do is don't pick those guys. Pick David Camp or Justin Hall. Or, Christian you know, Rubens. Yeah, Rubens. Like, you know, like, like put it up there you know Dermot like somebody like everyone's the same for like your odds increase infamous you know like imagine a player sk- skating and seeing you know David Camp saying hey it's you're my favorite player even if they're not way better chance to get a puck that's all I'm that, that's that's my little consumer Christmas tip I'm giving oh, I got, you going down I'll give one more for that how about this if you're not on the glass behind the bench or sorry on the ice but you're behind the bench 
Bobby Hastings, head equipment man, so good at his job. I feel like he would love a little love uh, behind the bench. And like you said, the farther down you go on that depth chart, the more and more likely it is that you're going to uh, gonna catch someone's attention. Uh, one other thing I wanted to touch on before we step aside, preview the week ahead, uh, give you a little Marley's Minute, uh, the return of Peter Mrazek. So he he's back now. Uh, you know, again, uh, I stole the words out of your mouth. An uneven night for him last night. Uh, really strong stretches. A couple goals he would definitely love to to have back. But I think maybe the most encouraging thing is there were a couple of moments there where if the groin was at all an issue that you worried about, I could have seen him right back on the shelf. And the fact that there were a couple of kind of scary plays that he, I don't know, for lack of a better term, survived through. I think I think that was honestly the the biggest box to box to check for him last night. Yeah, you know, Chad, it was on with George Russick yesterday morning, which, you know, it takes about five minutes to get to Lucky the hockey you. talk with George, you know, just because he, I learned that uh, Winnipeg was the Slurpee camp capital uh, um, oh. voted by 7-Eleven franchisees. I never knew that, so good for Winnipeg. But then we started talking hockey, and uh, it was, uh, um, and to your point, yeah, you you, you, you really, the guys are 100% healthy or as close to if they're getting medical clearance. I mean, you don't send players back anymore with worries, but the groin's just always a worry. So I, I, I agree with you that, you know, just you thought, oh, is there not one of the – because that's already happened, right? You thought he was healthy enough, came back, and then, oh, there was that tweak. But I, my, I'd said to George just that, you know, you, you didn't – what do you expect? And uh, and first, too much slack is cut sometimes because then if you're that worried, then the players should be spending more time with the Toronto Marlies or wherever it is to get ready. But I, I just said what you want is him not to be a difference in not winning the game. Like, you know, it'd be great if he stole the game and was a factor in winning it, but just at a minimum, don't be the reason you lost the game. And he certainly more than did that. He really did. And uh, the uneven part was he did look not great on some of the goals. It doesn't even mean they weren't were bad goals. It just was was the way he just looked unorthodox or uh, on it. But then he made some huge saves, and, and particularly in the second period when they needed them, he came up big and got an incredibly lucky bounce the team did on that, on that fifth game-winning goal. But, you know, good on Peter Morazic. Man, I uh, after the first shot of the night goes in from Jonathan Taves, I'm thinking, ooh, this could be a really long night and not the start Mrazek needs, but he uh, he bounced back wonderfully. And yeah, speaking of bounces, that that bounce the camp was able to take advantage of. I uh, you know obviously we watch more Leaf games than anybody else, but you know I I usually have well I'm watching the Leafs game. I usually have another game up trying to keep an eye on stuff. I don't know that Toronto has the liveliest end boards in the league. I think there are definitely rinks that, that provide a little more bounce there. But I feel like the Scotiabank Arena has to lead the league in weird caroms coming out of the corner. It feels like, I don't know, two or three times a night, somebody will kind of rim a puck around high and it'll hit one of those stanchions and pop out in front. It just feels like you're always kind of getting finicky bounces. And man, I uh, I don't know if it's a good feeling or a bad feeling, but I have a feeling one of those bounces is going to play a big, big part in this team's season uh, this year. Maybe a little bigger than it did on a uh, Saturday night in November or December against Chicago. Yeah, I, I know back at Maple Leaf Gardens days, I forget what number it was, because what are there, five letters in the word Mr. Sub? Oh, this and is there great. was a certain letter <laughs> that defensemen would try to hit because it was sort of on the corner behind the net, and the puck would ricochet perfectly in front. So, I mean, a Dave Ellett would wire it, and a Glenn Anderson would be in front of the net. I mean, it, it was a planned play, and it was on home ice, home board experience. I'm not quite as up, even though they've been there 20 years at Air Canada Centre, now Scotiabank Arena. But I just uh, back in the, when I say the old days, because there were so many differences, uh, yeah. there was not uniformity in all the buildings. There were a lot more 
of those little tweaks. Like he went to Boston, and it was the small uh, ice surface. So you took the blue line and you wired the puck, you know, just like a roulette. You know, like the ball goes around a roulette wheel, mm-hmm. like you, you know, waist high, because then you jam <laughs> behind the net, because that was the style of play. Because you you could get on on the defenseman in one, you know, in half a second flat. So now you, there's a lot more uniformity. Yeah, there uh, there certainly is, man. It's just uh, it, it's obviously it's better for the game, I think, to have all the the barns pretty uniform and they're all the same. You want you know you don't want to bounce to be the reason that somebody that somebody moves on or somebody sees it ends early. But there's just uh, there's just something so romantic about all all those old barns. And man, we just uh, we don't have them anymore, and it's a little bit sad. And I know uh, I know I know you uh, you definitely share that opinion. Uh, we talked about the goalies a little bit there. Let's uh, when we uh, we're gonna step aside, take a little break here and then we're going to when we come back figure out who's going to play which game this week Leafs busy busy week coming up four games in total we'll give you a preview we'll say who should play in which game and uh, all that and more when we continue here on the Leafs this week on Sportsnet 590 the fan This week, Brent Cunning and Gord Stellick here with you for about 20 more minutes. I uh, want to give you a preview of this week to come. want to take a quick spin around the NHL, but I just wanted to pick up one more thing on the conversation we were having on Austin Matthews there. Uh, Gord, you know, this is a guy, he's as prolific a goal scorer as there is in this league, but all of his goals have looked pretty different this year from what we've seen in the past. You know, I think sometimes he's thought of a little bit too much as a perimeter player. He can definitely snipe, but as he showed this year, he's really, really scoring a lot more of these power forward goals than he's scoring these sniper goals. Like all of them are on, on tips and kind of tap-ins and great work around the net. You know, to me, that's such an encouraging sign that he's mixing in the greasy goals because I firmly believe the ones from distance are, are still going to come at, at some point this season. Yeah, good point because uh, it, it seemed like we got so used to breaking down these goals that had the incredible trajectory and speed and pinpoint placement and uh, and now there's uh, it seems anyway you're to be a lot more variety uh, of the type of goals i mean uh, you win the rocket richard trophy you're the top goal scorer in the nhl for a season so it's hard to pick apart things but if it's possible if people are trying to block the lanes more knowing a shot is coming uh, he seems to have been able to uh, be be more be more versatile I guess in his goal scoring this year so far yeah, and as we mentioned, he's now just uh, five back of, of Leon Dreisaitl for the league lead. Uh, you know, Dreisaitl has cooled off just a hair, and Matthews has been on an absolute tear. And, boy, that, that works perfectly as a segue to teeing up the first game the, the Leafs will have this week. Uh, they're on a big West Coast trip, starting off in Edmonton on Tuesday night. Now, uh, obviously, playing the Oilers for the first time, all eyes go to Zach Hyman. But it's entirely possible he's not in the lineup. He actually hurt his shoulder at the tail end of last night's game. I don't believe he had another shift after that. Obviously, you know, it's still a little early out there in Edmonton, so we've not got an update on, on that yet. But, I mean, I think that would be a little deflating for everyone. Not not that you want to see Zach Hyman torture you, but I think I think we're all kind of looking forward to, to having that first game uh, against Hyman, even though it's, it's on the road in Edmonton. So you, you hope he's healthy for it. Yeah, it's still McDavid that sells the tickets, though. That's the marquee thing, and that's no slight to Leon Dreisaitl. But uh, uh, Hyman, you only get to see him once in early January. Uh, it'll be in Toronto, so the other conference will be games. there. Oh yeah, that was uh, yeah. What can you say about that? Just positives, positives, gushing positives. Uh, uh, a happy party in the ways which you don't often see. But uh, the bigger problems now without Zach Hyman, they've lost five in a row. The Edmonton Oilers. Yep. Uh, Dave Tippett 
couple of games ago, flat out wasn't very happy at all. It just says you got they got too many too many players now, not willing to pay the price which they were doing, you know, after their great start. And last year, uh, it was again it was there was a falseness to the season. Uh, if that's the right word, uh, or or non-traditional, let's put it that way, just playing within your own division. We know why that had to be done. So the best part of the regular season was the Leafs went into Edmonton and won three times with three different goaltenders, right? They had uh, nope. Jack Campbell one game, uh, Freddie Anderson another game, Michael Hutchison another game. They almost had three shutout games, and then I think in late in the third game uh one goal was scored so i mean that looked that would that was it that was the gold standard for their regular season last year uh, i don't know if it's an accurate reflection of where the leafs and oilers are power wise but you know leafs are a better team okay they're a better team than the edmonton Oilers. or oilers have those two wild cards which haven't made enough a difference so far in the playoffs to get anywhere because they don't have the depth around them so uh, i i really look forward to these battles uh, i love seeing the great players and unfortunately we're back to only seeing them twice a season yeah we are and uh, as you mentioned yeah when uh, when when connor and co and that includes zach hyman come back to town in january uh, that'll be special and we'll have the game for you on sportsnet 590 the fan which means we'll be down there oh boy that's that's exciting uh you know so much was made of the leafs five on five scoring and did they get enough depth scoring and at first it was all depth scoring and then it was all the big guys the oilers have not got a goal from a forward in their bottom six in eight or nine games now. So uh, that that kind of tells you everything. Those two big horses, they're going to be amazing for you, but you need more than that. You need more than that. Uh, the big question for, for the Leafs this week is, what do you do with, with the goaltending? you got four games. For me, it's pretty easy to say you split them two and two. Uh, I would give Campbell the start uh, against Edmonton. I think you want to have your best going to start this trip. He's had a long stretch of, of rest now. Uh, been a while since he's played. I, I I would go Campbell to, to start against Edmonton. Would you agree, or would you go back to Morassic? Oh, no, no, Campbell for sure. Campbell for sure. And by the way, Zach Hyman will get a legit video tribute when we're down there. That will be and a he legit should. one. Yes, absolutely. So, But, okay, to me, the uh, the telling point, Will, does he revert back to, okay, Campbell, Campbell, then split next weekend? You know, kind of when you have a one and two goaltender, and uh, uh, next weekend they have Saturday, Sunday, game Sunday, they're in Seattle. Uh, or does he? And I think I think he should go uh, left, right, left, right. That Campbell mm-hmm. Tuesday, Morazic Thursday, like you know, and then split on the weekend. I mean, let's 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 get to the rotation that you felt it was at the start of the season. You know, one and another reason why you can do it. There's no playoff race in the Atlantic Division. Montreal's nope. two horrible losses, like Tampa Bay coming back in the waning moments to beat them. Uh, the great moment that Marc Andre Fleury had with the visiting the hometown crowd Montreal uh, cheering for a visiting player as he got his 500th career win. I mean, I mean, there, there's no danger of not making the playoffs. I mean, good on the Red Wings. They're making it close, though. There's a lot of games in hand, though, the Bruins have on them for that final playoff spot. So, you know, I, I think you got to think big picture, and that's what I do goaltending. Yeah, that's exactly what I would do. And I think I think the reason you, you start Jack Campbell on Tuesday against the Oilers is twofold. As I mentioned, it's he's had a long stretch of rest now. I believe that'll be five days off uh, or six for between starts for him. So it's more than enough time. And then if you just kind of alternate back and forth, it gives him the start on Saturday on hockey night. You know, I know I know it's not at home, so maybe it doesn't quite mean as much. But I still think for a guy who, you know, until Morazic proves he can stay healthy for a long run, is your is your number one guy. 
that I think you still want to want to give them that start uh, on the special day. So so after Edmonton, they head to Calgary, and and man, all of all of a sudden this this Flames team that was absolutely red hot, you know, they're they're kind of fighting it a a, a little bit. They've lost four straight games now. Uh, Calgary has, and you know, the games against that team are always interesting. They're always uh, well, I was about to say fun, but they're at the very least always interesting when a, when a Kachuk's involved. And yeah, I would expect you go back to Mrazek there, and you know, it's always uh, always fun going on these Western Canada trips. Like you said, they kind of lost their luster last year with being out there oh so often, but it should be exciting, and I'm sure there will be a ton of Leafs fans uh, in the building that night. Well, in 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 my day, they they you'd go twice a year. And uh, you're right. As talk about lots of Leaf fans. It, it was always, it, it was always kind of a neat trip. It's more fun when you're winning. <laughs> you know, I think you know that. But uh, it uh, and Vancouver with uh, Bruce Boudreau coaching now, they seem to have righted things a little bit. Just when the other two teams, the Battle of Alberta, seem to be going in the other direction. That's funny because you mentioned that stat about the Edmonton Oilers teams and their bottom six players. That's exactly. What's impressed me about the Toronto Maple Leafs this year mm-hmm. is the play of the bottom six players, the identity uh, of a third line two-way and, and more variables on a fourth line. So the Leafs so far, to me, have what the Edmonton Oilers have found lacking. Well, and even even the depth of that's been been tested. I mean, you know, this is partially about how I think lukewarm Keith was on the rest of the lineup last night, but... In the dying moments of that game, you know, in the last two or three minutes in what's a tie game, you have the Clifford, Engvall, and Steve's line out there. And two of those guys aren't supposed to be regular skaters for you. And you're going to them in what is a tie game in the third period. I think that just kind of perfectly prove, proves the depth that the that the Leafs ha- have found. So after, after Calgary, uh, they head to Vancouver. And Gord, this is my maybe... You know, it's a little sad how much I love this. But one of my favorite things in hockey is watching, you know, the wonderful people of Vancouver complain and complain and complain when they have to start at 4 p.m. local time on Hockey Night in Canada. It's a 7 o'clock start. Uh, I uh, I love it. It always irks the people in Vancouver. And guess what? You know, sometimes we we, uh, we always jokingly say it. Sometimes Toronto is the center of the hockey universe. And we get to start at 7, and I couldn't be more thrilled about it. Obviously, uh, the Canucks, as you mentioned, Boudreaux involved, uh, kind of a fun story right now. So I think that Saturday night will be, be a fun game. Uh, yeah, one of those guys who was with the Canucks so many years ago was on when I was doing the big show in the afternoons uh, on the fan and, and and lamenting, kind of kidding, oh, well, we have to start at 4 p.m. because we got to take care of those Toronto guys. You have guy's to. guy's name was Brian Burke, okay? He was, <laughs> G- he was GM of the Vancouver Canucks. And then, of course, we know a couple years later, he was, as he called it, what, the Notre Dame, the Taj Mahal, whatever he called Toronto. And I know Bruce Boudreaux, He'll be so thrilled being on Hockey Night in Canada. He would start at 4 a.m. in the morning if that's what it meant. <laughs> yeah, he would. Uh, man, it's it's awesome to see to see Gabby back. You know, as we mentioned, the uh, all the problems with the Canucks they didn't get fixed in in one week. But it is amazing what just uh, kind of some fresh air and a, and a guy who obviously knows how to get a room going uh, can do. And you know, I I don't think there's many people in the game who aren't aren't big fans of Gabby. So uh, we're we're all pulling for him uh, out there in in his style. 
stop uh, in Vancouver. And yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be fun to see. And as you mentioned, yes, he he would gladly coach it at 4 a.m., 3 a.m., whatever time you want. And then the weekend wraps up with the Leafs' first trip to Seattle. Uh, this will be fun. You know, obviously I, I've caught, uh, you know, bits and drabs of, of games from the Kraken before, but it'll be nice to kind of soak it all in, see the full game day experience there. And it's just, uh, you know, it was fun, the first trip to Vegas. I, I don't think anything will quite be like like that was, but uh, it'll be uh, it'll be definitely a fun night uh, Sunday in Seattle. And I'd imagine, as we said, it'll be back to Mrazic uh, between the pipes there. Yeah, that first game to Vegas was terrible. Right? Was it New Year's Eve? I think it was New Year's it Eve. Was, they went and, they man, got the first one New Year's Eve horrible. because, again, the Leafs are the center of the hockey universe. They wanted to bring all those people there. Yeah, so. well, it was a horrible result. It was the people it in was. Vegas who got used to being uh, thrilled. I mean, they had this that great season. So, yeah, another, you know, it's funny. It's another, it's four games and six nights. So it's going to be a busy stretch. And uh, and then they have a break. I mean, then then they have a break. So this is, you know, we'll be when we're doing Leafs uh, this week, whatever. It'll be a little quieter for a bit. But next Sunday we'll be busy because, uh, well, it'll you won't have the Sunday game done yet. But this is sort of a their last busy flurry for a little bit. Yes, uh, yes, it will. And of course, that means they'll see old friend. I don't know if that'll count as an old friend. Jared McCann. He's put up uh, 16 points in 22 games. Of course, he was the guy who the Leafs traded for effectively uh, to expose. And, you know, that protected Alex Kerfoot and that protected Justin Hall on the team. Uh, You know, I think Kerfoot's been wonderful. Hall's obviously had a bit of an up and down season, uh, but I don't think uh, the Leafs are losing any sleep over not having McCann. And that's, that's no knock on McCann. It's just the forward depth has been has been so strong this year, you know, not say you can't imagine him sliding in anywhere. The guy is 16 points so far this year. I'm sure you could use him, but it's just, it, it feels like, you know, there was a lot of talk about that move at the time. And, you know, I, I don't know where, where he would have been the problem solver for, for this group. If it would have been McCann who stayed and he would have lost one of Kerfoot and Hall. It, it feels to me like that was, that was probably the right move. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm totally cool with that. Seattle, not off to the kind of start they'd hoped for. Ron Francis, their general manager, you know, said that about two weeks, so they played a little bit better since then. Uh, of this week, though, the the team that I really respect are the one they play Thursday, the Calgary Flames. I mean, Daryl yep. Sutter has and, – and how about Johnny Goodrow, right? How about Johnny Goodrow? And you viewed, you know, him and Sutter were like oil and water, just not the same, and all of a sudden, you know, he's one of the guys thriving uh, in the in the Daryl Sutter system. So uh, – uh, even though they, as you mentioned, have gone on a bit of a funk of late, the Calgary Flames and the style and the way they played are the most impressive to me of the four teams the Leafs are playing this week on the road. Yep, for for sure for me as well. And, uh, you know, all, a lot of goalies do this against the Leafs, or at least they have for the past couple of years. Feels like Flames goalies are always extra strong uh, whenever they're playing against the Leafs. So uh, be that Markstrom or uh, be that uh, Vlader, because uh, we've already seen that once this year uh, with the guy who's technically the backup there in Calgary. Yeah, it'll be uh, some stiff tests for the Leafs this week and, you know, playing the best player in the game. Uh, it's a fun, fun week. Yeah, first trip to Seattle. You see an old friend in Boudreaux. Every single game uh, has an exciting storyline uh, uh, this week. Speaking of storylines, did want to take a quick little spin around the NHL with your Gorge. You know, I know you mentioned it. Obviously, he's a guy who has a, a ton, a ton of fans in the game. Mark Andre Fleury getting win number five hundred in, in Montreal. You know, it kind of, kind of unfortunate that the Leafs saw the Blackhawks twice this year and didn't see Fleury uh, once. But uh, I think just awesome for him to kind of get that big round number. The fact that he could do it in his home province just just makes it all the more special. Well, we had an interesting uh, week in that two of the most beleaguered fans. Bases. That's one of them on Thursday. The Montreal Canadiens um, 
you get shut out to nothing. It's not been a fun place to go, but got to see that. And, you know, you got uh, Marty Berdur and Patrick Waugh, the other two. So all three are born in the province of Quebec. So that was a wonderful moment. And he did a curtain call to show his appreciation. And then Tuesday, if you're going, if you're a Buffalo Sabre fan that's going to a game against Anaheim on a Tuesday in December, you are a diehard fan. This and there weren't true. many of them, right? And they got to see... Uh, they got to see the 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 uh, the Michigan play, the Sonny Milano goal from Zegras, and you could even see like the Buffalo fans, like the wide eyes for the ones that were close of what they were seeing. So uh, the two situations, teams got re- re- or fan bases got rewarded with something they like they appreciated from the opposition. Yeah, that uh, man. Yeah, we should probably talk about that for half a second. Uh, that Zegras Milano play, it's it feels like something that is completely earth shattering now. And as we go throughout, you know, this wonderful evolution of hockey, it just feels like it's a, it's kind of a play in the game now. Like this alley-oop pass from behind, it's just, it, it was great creativity to see. I, I, I love how much it's kind of been, been talked about. And it's just, it's, uh, it, it's nice to see the kind of shackles unleashed for, for lack of a better term with, with, with the way the game's being played now. I mean, you've seen it with the Michigan. Obviously, it's been around for a couple of decades now. We can go even further back to the Forsberg, the one-handed move. And it's just, uh, it's, it is. It was wonderful to see in the game, and you know, I we don't need to name any names here, but I didn't love. Uh, I didn't love the pushback it, it got from one uh, prominent member of of the hockey media. Well, John Tortorella, but you know, the the great part is be a contrarian, right? And have a uh, take. Yeah, have a take. Just say because I I do agree with the take that if I'm the Buffalo goaltender and Buffalo D going, this is great, but do it against the 30 other teams out there, not ours. And next time, let's just anyway. Uh, and John Tortorella took it to another level. I uh, uh, another game just to throw was, you know, here Dallas was on such a tear. They're up four two against Vegas, and it looked like Tyler Sagan had a tap in to make it five two. Give Alex Petrangelo credit. He he dove and I think inhibited a little bit. So now Dallas, okay, on their way to the win steal. Nope. Vegas comes back, beats them five four. Dallas now has lost three in a row. If they would have won that, they would have it's a long climb to the playoff spot in the central division. And they were there. And now they've had three losses in a row. So it's funny when we talk about some of those watershed moments. Uh will that be one for Dallas at the end of the season, Brent? What a weird, what a weird little stretch it's been for them. They have, and I don't think anyone will ever remember it other than the guys who make it their life to remember this stuff, but this is a cup final team from, from the bubble year, you know, Heiskanen's big coming out party and you had Hudobin. He was a wonderful story and you've had Sagan and Ben. It's just been such a weird run for them in, in Dallas. It's just one of the more, you know, we, we think so often of teams on the climb and they just keep, keep climbing. And with Dallas, it's been this weird kind of run of, of stops and starts. And it's just, it, yeah, it's just been a really weird stretch for a team with some incredibly high end talent. You know, anytime you have guys who are a couple of guys on your team who are floating around the Olympic roster for Canada and then a couple other Olympians and you, you have the kind of stop and start run that the stars have had. It's just been, it's just been kind of weird in Dallas for the past decade, but not all bad. It's been good and bad. No, absolutely. You forget, but you do the the bubble. You, you got to shake your head to remember the bubble. Like so many things have happened, and and, uh, and how about you know the New York Islanders get a big win. I mean, this is the team that's considered a lock, certainly to be in the final eight, and a lot of people picked them to win the Stanley Cup. I mean, they got a hole to dig out of, much like the Leafs were able to do when Sheldon Keefe took over from Mike Babcock a couple of years ago. Like it, it's hard. To dig because you got you got you got so many teams in front of you, you know, and uh, so they they do get a win against New Jersey. They finally win in that new home uh, building, 
but uh, they're it's gonna it's gonna be uh, into the metropolitan division. Uh, everybody uh, everybody's battling, but you know the teams like Philadelphia and the Islanders, two that I expected to be in the playoffs. I know they've won uh, their last games, but uh, they got a long they got a tough sledding ahead of them. Think about how long the Islanders have been trying to get a win in their new barn. The Leafs, when they started their West Coast road trip in Long Island, which doesn't make a ton of sense, but but carry on with me here. The Leafs were the second team to play in that building as a road game. Think about how long ago that was. So, yeah, uh, a lot of frustration, and they finally broke the dam there. Uh, Gord, uh, last one for you before we go. We'll skip our Marley's Minute for this week. I'll save the good stuff for next week on that. But Olympic protocols, they saw it coming out, really stringent, big-time quarantines uh, could be in play for guys if they go and they end up testing positive or contracting COVID. You know, where's your gut at on this? Do you, do you think we will see NHLers? Uh, in the Olympics uh, th- this coming February. Well, I'd appreciate if you use the term "Where's my stomach at?" rather than "My okay. gut at." But anyway, I got I'll a big gut it. too, so uh, no, the, I won't say two. I'll just say I have one. There you go. I they've got till January tenth. I don't know if there's going to be more another if another playbook for one, the term they use is coming out from the Olympics. Uh, to me, yeah, this smells of the deal breaker. I, I've loved the players' passion. They really want to go, and maybe they still will. Maybe they still will. I really hope that's my hope. But I can see a player all of a sudden if you're taking a breath and saying, "Okay." Okay, if if what it is is uh, I'm out for three weeks and I have I have to stay there. If there's no other th- arrangements made, that look, can we not send everybody home in a chartered plane together? You know, whatever it may be, then yeah, that's and and Gary Bettman's kind of said it. It's he knows that the the ownership, the teams really don't want it so much. Yep. It's in the players' hand. They've given them that right to make that decision. But I got uh, I'm an optimist. But uh, if that's still the way it is, uh, my optimism is tested. Yeah, my optimism is definitely, definitely waning there. Uh, that's been the Leafs this week. Brett Gutting and Gord Stellick. Leafs back at it on Tuesday in Edmonton. We'll be back with a post-game pod the rest of the week. Thursday in Calgary. We have it on the fan. Saturday in Vancouver at 7. Then Sunday in Seattle. That's a 9 o'clock start. We will have post-game pods for every single game there. Gord, fun, fun week uh, being on with you. And we'll talk to you all on Tuesday.